Hey guys, welcome back again to the Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast. Today we have an absolute banger of a guest on today. You're going to see the porn coach here in one second, and I'm going to explain everything you to you banger. all next on the Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast. That was a little different intro than I usually do, guys. Sorry about that. We're coming to you live from the Huddle Up Store studios here in beautiful rainy, actually, today. Rainy, uh, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, JB's on my left. This guy in the middle is a new friend that I actually met, and uh, his shirt and merch does not betray him at all. He is an actual porn coach. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, men and pornography and everything else like that. It's not what you think, but it is what you think. And we're going to get into a lot of it today. Uh, but first thing I want to say is thank you so much for being here, Austin. This is Austin. the uh, por- Austin, tell me your whole name. and, and I'm like Aust- Austin Hamilton. I'm a porn coach, and I am so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. So we're, we're fairly new friends. I mean, we're, we're still feeling out all the things between us and everything. But we have a mutual friend. And uh, essentially, we met each, met each other at a cigar event, right? Cigar night. Yeah, we had a cigar night with a bunch of guys. Guys, and uh, he comes over. I think he was actually wearing his merch or something like that. And I'm like, uh, so you're a porn. It was actually a church type thing, right? With a bunch of Christian guys. I'm like, so you're like a porn. How does this thing work? And then you proceeded to tell me that your story. So do me a favor and tell everyone your story about how you got into this and what you do now when it comes to pornography. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm a porn coach, PXRN coach, because if you say P-O-R-N, sometimes some social media sites don't like that. So porn coach is the name. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you can find me. Um, basically, about a year ago, I started making videos just sharing my story, talking about my addiction to pornography, as well as the in- infidelities and affairs that I had while I was married. Mm. Still married, same woman, been married, coming up on 13 years here. And essentially, six and a half, seven years ago, blew up my marriage, blew up my life when I revealed to my wife that I had a porn addiction and mm. was also not being faithful to her. Mm. And by the grace of God, um, we've been able to restore our marriage into something that I think is beautiful today because mm-hmm. there's nothing between us to hide. Mm. There's nothing between us. Everything is out on the table and, mm. uh, I live to tell the tale, so to speak. Okay. And now as a porn coach, um, I help other people get free from pornography as well. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people out there struggling with it and there is a path to freedom. So that's what I do. So uh, let me ask you some stats if I, if I, if I can right now. So, cause I don't know <clears> the stats <throat> off the top of my head. I know of you know, porn, no porn's a big thing. How many guys roughly see porn a day? I mean, I mean, how many, how many people struggle with porn and, and, and how do you define addiction versus struggle? Yeah. I mean, can you separate that or is it the same thing? Or tell me, tell me a little bit about how you define that. Yeah. Good question. I just did a video on this. Um, there's a stat, I think it was from covenant eyes or fight the new drug. One of the two, mm-hmm. it's like 28,900. Some people per second are viewing pornography. I think that was in the United States. Go to, oh. You can look up that video I just posted. 28,000 per second? Per second. So that's a lot of people. <clears throat> now, yeah. it's hard to actually find accurate data. There's a lot of different studies. But basically, the way I kind of boil it down is roughly 95% of men, give or take, have some sort of struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. So roughly, you know, higher than 9 out of 10. Okay. Some sort of struggle. And then the data also suggests that roughly... 60 to 65 percent so two-thirds have what might be categorized as some sort of pornography addiction okay so basically nine out of ten have some sort of struggle Mm -hmm. and then basically two-thirds have some sort of addiction so the way i like to do this when i when i present this is if it's not you it's both the guys next to you and there you go folks there we're gonna go. go ahead and end the video now so <laughs> thanks for go. coming in for austin and uh putting all my dirty laundry out there yeah, exactly <laughs> mother <laughs> so just okay. to, just to paint the picture of sure. like what it's like you're walking around in public yeah if it's not you both of you both the guys next to you have some sort of addiction 
Now, if you don't like the numbers, you don't like the data, you're oh. like, oh, cite your source. Say it's half wrong. Okay. The sure. data yeah, that still. If I mean, it's yeah, not me, yeah. it's not the guys next to me. It's the two guys next to them. Okay. Mm. All right. Okay. So it's a big problem. Sure. Now, sure. How, the way I define addiction, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of clinical ways you can define addiction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you can you can read up on that. What I like to say is, do you think it's a problem? Do you want to stop? Have you tried to stop? And have you been able to stop? If you do think it's a problem, you've tried to stop. Um, you, if you think it's a problem, you want to stop, and you've tried to stop, and you can't stop. I don't care what you call it. Mm-hmm. You might consider referring to it as addiction as an addiction and treating it as such. Mm-hmm. So that's how I define addiction. Um, you know, there's, there's ways that you can back that into like a clinical diagnosis. I, I don't really play that game. Labeling it is important, but sure, at the sure. end of the day, is it a problem? And do you want to stop? Mm-hmm. So if you were to define the difference between struggling and addiction, okay. The addiction is you, you've tried to stop and everything else like that. The struggle is a guy who sees porn once a month or sees porn once a year, sees porn. And I say, sees porn as actively goes to it, not a matter of like a pop-up or something like that, or a girl walking down the street or something like that. It's a whole different thing, I think, but we're talking about somebody who actively goes to it. So you're saying that most guys are actively going to that 95% of guys are actively going to porn, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe not necessarily on a daily basis, right? That's again, Mm -hmm. you know, frequency can help, help inform like what's really going on there. Okay. I've worked with guys. I've seen people where it could be every three months, every six months that mm-hmm. they're turning to it and it would still be classified as an addiction. Right? Okay. I think a better term than porn addiction is, is the term unwanted sexual behavior. Okay. Because for most guys, you know, certainly for myself included, it's, I'm doing this thing, but I'm, I actually don't want it in my life, mm-hmm. but I just don't know where to go from there. So unwanted sexual behavior indicates I don't want this. Now I can, now I have the power to change it, right? Because I'm, I'm naming the fact that I don't want it in my life. So what is the difference, Austin, in, between the sexual addiction and porn addiction? Or is it one and the same? And what's the, you know, uh, if, uh, from your experience or from guys that you've worked with and so on and so forth, or women even that you've worked with, what's been the difference? Or is there a difference or is it one and the same? Yeah. So first, just on, you know, who I work with, I work both with men dealing with porn or sex addiction and women who are dealing with betrayal trauma. Betrayal trauma is the trauma that somebody experiences after a betrayal. It's a good cigar, huh? It's a good cigar, yeah. Boy, when you get that smoke right back in, you know? Right. Um, betrayal trauma is the trauma that somebody experiences after betrayal. So, for example, when they find out that their husband of 20 years has been having a secret pornography addiction or they've mm-hmm. been, you know, having affairs or doing other sexual behavior. Or it could be even, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you find out that your partner is dealing with pornography. So mm-hmm. that's what the betrayal trauma portion of what I do is. Um, now, the difference between porn addiction and sex addiction, there are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, pornography, as we know it today, is relatively new mm-hmm. with the term in terms of how severe it is, what types of content there is, and how readily available it is, right? Any of us could po- pull out our phones right now and within two seconds have the most heinous stuff available to us on the screen Sure, that it just wasn't available mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago, right? Even, right. even within the last century. So it's very different. And, and within the last 20 years or so, it is kind of classified as two different things, porn addiction and sex addiction. Mm-hmm. I'll work with guys who they've never had an affair. They've never paid for anything in real life. Um, it's just pornography. It could be pornography. They're watching it five, six, seven times a day. Mm. It's just pornography. They have no desire 
at that moment to go outside of their relationship and be with another person for, uh, in real life. Hmm. And then on the sex addiction side, it's, you know, can I say like massage parlor, strip club? Sure, you can say anything. All, yeah, all that, that stuff. Doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> you can say uh, any way you want. Yeah, dude. I'm yeah. so trained to like not say all these things when I'm on TikTok. No, but, say whatever okay. you want. Say whatever you want. So sex addiction would look more like somebody who's, you know, having affairs, going to a strip club, seeing a prostitute, going to a massage parlor, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, usually there's pornography involved as well. Um, but, you know, that is a different category of behavior. Okay. And I also, you know, I don't say one is better or worse. They're just different. Sure, very sure, different. sure. So. What, um, you said you've been through this yourself. I didn't know that part, to be honest with you. I didn't know that you had an affair on your wife or anything like that or anything like that. How did you work through that? Like, tell me, first off, what was that like in your life to come through such a, a difficult process. Cause I can imagine this guy's listening right now that are either having affairs, addicted to porn or are thinking about doing those things or thinking about coming out of that. What was that process like for you yeah. in particular? Yeah. Well, nine out of 10 of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh -oh. yeah, it's one of they're us. All, they're all looking at the camera. They're all looking at different places. Like, it's uh, not me. It's I'm definitely so, Bradley. I'm not it's, definitely Bradley. it's most likely it's me out of these three. I'm just saying. <laughs> Most likely. It's no. not, but it's most likely that it's me. He was really definite with that. It's not. <laughs> Notice I'm not defending myself. I'm Look, just sitting there. I'm along I'm for just, the ride. I'm yeah. just saying you I'll might find my feet pick somewhere, but I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I always I yeah. always believe people with what they're telling me. Sure. Right? sure. So you, you have to. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can, you can probe for more information. Um, what was the question again? What was it like for you? Oh, what was it like for me? What was it like for you coming through? Yeah. Coming out, coming out of porn addiction and... You know, explain to your wife this is what this is what oh, happened, yeah. and then you you Make said you had work. affairs as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. So it, it was terrible, man. Like mm. it was it was rock bottom in my life. My wife was eight months pregnant with our second child, mm. girl, our first daughter, um, and we were going through a, actually a, a marriage retreat. And I thought, like, yeah, our marriage is fine. Like maybe we can learn something. She didn't know anything at that point. She never caught me with pornography. She had no idea that the affairs were happening. She was literally blindsided by this. So as a result of going to this marriage workshop, I realized that I was a giant douchebag mm -hmm. um, in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. As a husband, as a father, as a son, as an employee, as a friend, I was like, I suck as a person. Mm. It was that rock bottom point of like, you know, I don't even want to live anymore. And, and I wouldn't say it's like I was suicidal, but it was more like, what am I doing in this life? If I look at the experience that I'm creating with the people around me who I claim I love, mm. if I were to survey them and say like, what do you actually think of Austin Hamilton? They'd be like, that guy's a douchebag. Wow. And so coming to that realization of, I got to get right for myself. Mm. And if and until I do that, there's no shot that I have at being a good husband mm. or father or son or employer or employee right. or friend. Right. So I got to get my stuff right with mm -hmm. God ultimately mm -hmm. so that I can be a light and a provision to other people. Okay. Mm. And so through that process was like, I got to tell her, I swore that my behavior, which my behavior actually stopped four years prior. The affairs were four years prior to me confessing. There was some pornography use between the four years prior and when I confessed. Mm -hmm. um, but I swore I'd take it to the grave. I said, I'm, I'm never going to tell anybody this. I'm taking it to the grave. And that basically killed me. Mm. Unconfessed sin will kill you. The wages of sin is death. Mm. And so I'm like, I got to do something with this so that I can live my life for the sake of myself and those around me. Mm. So I confessed to my wife. It was one of the hardest things I ever did, sitting there looking at my wife, eight months pregnant, about to, to bring our child into the world, and saying, uh, here's everything I've done. It was devastating. Um, very, very hard time for her, for me, for our family unit. 
Um, and so, you know, that really began the process of living in reality of what's going on and the healing work. I immediately started seeing a therapist, counselor, seeing the pastors that were in my life at the time. Um, she began seeing a therapist immediately. Uh, and we were both in that kind of intense work for the better part of a year, you know, intense one-on-one work. I, I went away to some like weekend retreats, transformational development workshops, just looking at myself and how I got into the situation to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, the the reality is here we are six and a half years later, we're happily married and our marriage is perfect now. We have no problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No. Okay, it's, Jesus. It's, it's, it, the, reality, <laughs> right. the reality is all of our problems are on display and we get to work through them for the sake of love. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to, we get to, we get to be in this mess that is the human condition, right? Mm. Being, being a, a sinner and getting to enter into restoration, reconciliation, repentance, forgiveness. Like that's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be in a relationship. Mm. Um, you know, it's been said that relationships start at the first po- point of major conflict mm-hmm. or you realize it was just an arrangement of convenience. And mm. I, for all intents and purposes, I'm like our marriage, it really started then. You know, we've been married 12, 12 and a half years. It's like we had our first six-year marriage. That one sucked. And then we now have this latest six-year marriage. And this is where the, the actual relationship began. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you say things like, you know, marriage is, you're, you're meant to work through things. And conflict, I mean, I, I believe that conflict, when it's, when it's worked through on both sides, leads, leads to intimacy. I really believe that. Oh, yeah. So how did your wife take all of this? Like, how was, how was that? And then to this, to this day, cause I, well, first off, you're probably the only person I've ever met that maybe I have two other guys and I've worked with hundreds of guys, by the way. So that has made it in their marriage with infidelity mm. that that's made it, you know, thus far, if you would. So mm-hmm. uh, most guys last a year or two after yeah. even the confession. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a year or two max, Max two, max two is what I, th- th- what's been my experience and it isn't even on their part. It's their wife, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I guess the, the question is what, what in that, what in, what in that endeared you, you know, to her, obviously the, the forgiveness and love and everything else like that. But what are some practical tips if guys are getting ready to come out to their wife and their family and things like that with this deep, dark secret they've been holding for a very long time, what are some, what's some advice that you could give them that this could the, the road's hard regardless of what you look at it. It's, it's a bumpy, crazy, yeah, nasty road. Yeah. 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 So what's some things that you believe that you could tell them that could help them, you know, communicate this particularly the most important person in their, their, their life, which would be their wife or their girlfriend or significant other. Oh man. <clears throat> um, well, there's like nine questions in there, but uh, we'll, okay, we'll, just, we'll see what comes up. Yeah, there's like one, there's like there's like one that was asked, but there's yeah, like yeah, nine yeah. nine implications. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, look, this has nothing to do with porn and sex. Porn and sex addiction is not a porn and sex problem. It's a how you deal with life problem. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with life, with the pain, the the suffering, the sadness, happiness, anxiety, depression. I had no idea how to handle what was coming about at me in life. Um, the best idea I had is when life gets stressful or whatever was to go look at porn and masturbate mm. or to go, you know, act outside my marriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink really. Um, this is new. 
Like I've only smoked a handful of cigars and that's been in the last year. And since I met you, it's really <laughs> ramped up a notch in the last couple of months. <laughs> that seems to happen. Right? <laughs> yeah. It gets better. It gets better. There's more cigars. More yeah. cigars. Seems to happen. Yeah. Um, so, so I just didn't know how to deal with the things in my life. Uh, that's the best idea I had. I didn't know how to feel my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so really it, it, it required diving into my story. You mentioned intimacy. Mm. The definition I like for intimacy is into me see. Mm-hmm. Let me show you everything in here. And I right. want to see everything in you so I can know your story and you can know my story. And then we can actually know each other. Mm-hmm. But we tend to hide that from each other. And mm-hmm. so what, what actually unraveled this process is I never came to terms with some of the trauma that happened in my life. Mm. So my mom died when I was five years old in a plane crash. Mm. Boom, mom's gone. What did I do with that as a five-year-old? I stuffed it in. That was, that was kind of the way that my, my family, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, we chose to handle it was don't talk about it. Let's pretend like everything's okay. So I believe that, right? It's like, well, let's not talk about the hard things in life that are actually present. Let's just pretend like it doesn't exist. And that's the way that I carried my life up until I was 32 years old, sitting in that room in this marriage conference with my wife. Mm. I literally said my mom died when I was five and it hasn't affected me. Okay, well, that's bullshit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, that affected me severely. So again, the, 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 the path for me wasn't, hey, I masturbated and looked at porn, you know, a bunch of times when we were married. Hey, I, I went out and acted outside of our marriage. The story here is this five-year-old has never healed from the mm. trauma that he experienced as a kid. Mm. And, you know, now when I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, I find porn. Oh, that feels good. That makes the pain go away. So let's do that. Let's do that for a while. Right. And then that turns into something else, something else, you know, nobody wakes up in my opinion, nobody wakes up one day that's happily married and says, today's the day I'm going to go cheat on my wife. It doesn't work like that. Mm. It starts somewhere with some root that, that festers over time if it's not dealt with or handled. So the invitation is what's really going on in your life beneath the surface that you haven't actually processed through. Mm. And it's informing every behavior that you have today. You usually there's some sort of family of origin, family system stuff at play, mm-hmm. right? Abandonment, divorce, death of a loved one, you know, um, being unwanted, not being cared for enough. And it all, it all manifests in un, um, unhealthy coping mechanisms such as sex, drugs, um, you know, pick your poison, right? Mm. So guys, guys that are going through this right now, or guys are getting ready to reveal this, is this a... It, I guess would would a prescription be to rec- first recognize that there's something going on deep down inside that you need you need to deal with, and I, I think everybody has that. I think most guys um, we're too busy with our day and with just life and the war that we go through in life that we don't recognize that enough, or we shoved it so far down we don't see it. You know, we don't see it, and so we don't have a band of brothers or anybody mentors or anybody like that asking us about that child wound or whatever else that that would be for. It every guy that's out there, whether it's, you know, performance anxiety or whatever you want to call it, um, that happens continually. So would the prescription be first figure that out, then confess, get help and then confess. I mean, if you're, if you're writing a prescription for this, if you're going, Hey, cause guys are how to guys, I'm a how to guy. Like, so first I recognize what, what the deep down wound is. The second thing I do is talk to a counselor or talk to somebody who's, who's more knowledgeable than me about this, then reveal that to my family. Or is there a different way to go about that? That would be optimal in your opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yes. <laughs> you, you asking him to give out free advice right now, dude? No, well, no, no, no. Well, no. I, I'll I, give I, all the free advice. Sure, right? sure. I think, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of guys, I think a lot of guys that might struggle with this will go, 
okay, so I, I, I see that I see you got a point. I think a lot of guys will go, you, you have a point, Austin. That's a, that's a point. And there's some things I definitely need to look at. Um, I'm not sure how to share yeah. this with my spouse mm-hmm. uh, and my family, which could ruin everything that I've ever worked for. Um, and that, that spot of healing can't be, you can't heal without revealing that. That's, yeah. a, that's a fact. Because once, once everything's brought to the light, then you can heal. But you can't heal until that's brought to the light. So a, a guy who's at home listening to this going, okay, so, okay, porn coach, what do I do now? Yeah. What, what's, what's my, what's my steps? Yeah. Great. My answer to that is, I don't know. Mm. Uh, every situation is different. Okay. All right. I wish that there was like a prescriptive method for it, but okay. I would just say generally <clears throat> that a saying that I say all the time, I think it comes from Johan Hari. He's written some books. Um, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's connection with other people. Mm. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's connection with other people. So what mm. does connection mean? It means you have to share mm-hmm. something like share what's going on in order to connect with other people. And when we feel connected, when we feel like we're actually seen, known, and loved for exactly who we are, where we are, that changes everything for a person. Mm-hmm. We generally internalize something or keep the shame inside because we think that we're going to be judged for it. Shame festers in the darkness, but it can't stand being spoken to the light. So if you name the shame and you speak it out, it loses its power. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you go about doing that? That's when I say, I don't know. I don't know what's appropriate for every situation. When I, my wife and I came off of this marriage retreat, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, during that, the course of that weekend, I decided I was going to sh- tell her. Still, nobody knew. Nobody knew. I decided I was going to tell her. So Monday morning, I called a friend of mine who's a pastor, local pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a very public story about his infidelity. And I'd been friends with him. We went to lunch probably once a quarter at that time. He didn't know. Monday morning, I called him. I said, hey, bro, I got a problem. Hey, what's going on? I've been cheating on my wife, watching porn, blah, blah, blah. He's like, great. Welcome to the party. Your life is going to change forever. It's like, I want to tell her. So he's like, go meet with this counselor, friend of his. So I go meet with him the next day. And I tell him the whole story. And I'm like, I got to tell her. I got to tell her. I got to tell her. And he's like, he's like, she's eight months pregnant. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So I told my wife that Friday, I believe it was. So the point is, is there's no prescriptive method. Who do you tell first? Who do you go to first? You got to know the relationships in your life and what, what, you know, what that system can handle. And you also have to have support. Mm -hmm. So for me, in my wisdom, I was like, I'm not telling my wife in this weekend conference in front of 20 other couples that we're friends with. I'm not going to say in this room, Hey, guess what I've done. Right. I'm like, I got to talk to somebody else to walk me through this. So I sought wise counsel who referred me to somebody else who sought wise counsel. And then I, you know, went and and confessed and, and began that journey. But again, the theme is are, you have to disclose what's going on to somebody. Now, I would say the mistake, I don't, and I, uh, mistake's probably not the right word, but what I, where I see a lot of people go in paths that aren't going to serve them is they, they tell their wife or they get caught by their wife, and then it stays only between the two of them. And mm-hmm. that's like a surefire path for more destruction. Because again, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. Mm. If you're not connected with other people, if other people don't know your story, where contextually appropriate, you're, you guys are just going to spin around because she's not trained to deal mm. with this, nor should she be the person who, who is the one who walks this out for you. Mm. Obviously, she can be a provision for you and, and you know choose to love and forgive, but she's going to be going through all, all her stuff, all her trauma. So... I don't know what the right path is. It could be tell your wife, say, hey, look, I got a problem. I really want to get help. And then you go get help. It could be going straight to a therapist or a counselor. If you're a person of faith, it could be going to your pastor and saying, hey, here's the problem. 
name it, voice it to the light, tell mm-hmm. people what's going on. And once you do that, everything will change and now you can get help. You can't change what you don't name and it takes courage to name what you're not wanting to face. Did you have a band of brothers around you when you walked through it? Yeah. Were they, what was their reaction to all of that? Well, I mean, the, the one guy, my pastor friend, he, he was like, he was happy. Mm-hmm. He was happy for me. He's like, Austin, I knew you were a douchebag. <laughs> I just, I just didn't know really what was going on. Right, right, right. And he's like, now I feel like I can actually love you. And I coming right here, I had lunch with him just, mm-hmm. just now before I came here. And it, it's awesome what that relationship has been able to, to continue to blossom into. Wow. Um, and so that, that journey for me was, okay, I got to start talking about this with more people. Mm. So I shared this with, with other friends, people in my small group, you know, in, in other faith settings. Um, I started leading recovery groups and, and now I talk about it on TikTok all day. So it's like, you know, cat's out of the bag. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to rip the bandit off for the first time mm. with this or any shame that we have going on in our life. Because we, we want to keep running that con that we have everything together and everything's nice and buttoned up. But the reality is nobody really has everything together, right? I mean, right. you know, like. No, no, not at all. Not at all. What, what, uh, what ways do you see guys try to hide this? Like if they, if they know, so when guys, when guys know this is a weakness, I guess my question would be, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to have a contingency out there that go, what is the big deal, dude? It's just porn. Okay. And that's, that's cultural today. I mean, I know guy culture and everything else like that. If anything, I mean, I, 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 I know this much, it's not a big deal. And guys could be quick enough to find a, you know, a free porn site versus a Bible verse any day. They really absolutely could. So in that regard, what about, what do you say to the guys that it's not a big problem, dude, I, I do it. I, I, you know, I get my, I get my nut off and then I just go on with, uh, you know, with, yeah. with, with my day and I'm, and I'm fine. <laughs> and, or, or the guys who are in the, in the faith community, right? Guys from the faith community that, that think that maybe this is not a good thing to do, but it's better than going and having sex with a girl than just doing this versus anything else. How was this harming me? Yeah. Well, the first, the, the first thing I say is if that's really what you believe, be clear with that and tell your spouse. And then I would talk to the spouse and say, do you really want to be with a person who has this point of view? Period. So, so let's have clarity first. If, if you enjoy masturbating to other people having sex, in many cases, unconsensually, right? Go look up on how the sausage is made in the porn industry. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy and you think that's a righteous, sausage. noble activity. I think you said sauce, but I heard sausage. sausage. I, I said had, sausage. I don't even I I don't, sausage. I don't understand. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, There's a lot of wiener puns going on here. <laughs> right. Um, if, if you're really proud of that, then be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Tell your spouse, stop hiding it. Mm-hmm. And now your spouse can make an informed decision as opposed to thinking that you're actually a different person. So okay. there's clarity there. Okay. And in my experience, it usually takes about five questions for me to ask a guy to get him to the point where they're like, oh yeah, it's a problem. Right. Lately, a lot of my content's been focused around the, the notion of monogamy. Mm-hmm. And I made the assertion that if you're watching pornography, you're not in a monogamous relationship. So don't pretend like you are. Right. Definition of monography of monogamy is a, a sexual relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And generally when you're in a relationship, especially a marriage in the West where mm-hmm. you say vows, like I'm yours, your mind, mind, body, and soul, mm-hmm. you're, you're literally explicitly making that commitment. Right. Now right. many dating relationships, you don't have an explicit agreement, mm-hmm. right? It's implied that you're only committed to one another, but it's not explicit. Mm. So then you look at the definition of monogamy being a sexual relationship between two people. It's like, well, if you're introducing any other person to that, whether it's on a screen or otherwise, 
by definition, you're going against the monogamous agreement and therefore you're cheating. So again, naming the reality of what's going on here. Many guys at first, they don't want to acknowledge it. Oh, it's just a person on a screen. Well, it's still a person. And they're like, oh, well, it's not sexual because it's on a screen. Well, you're playing with your dinghy while you're watching it? Seems pretty sexual to me. Right, right. What, what, do, you, what do you think about the conversations in, the, in the, the red pill community about this stuff? I mean, it, when I say red pill, you know, I'm talking about like the whatever podcast, Fresh and Fizz, thing, things like that. Have you ever seen any of that? I've seen a little like, okay. clips on the, uh, this, from the whatever yeah, podcast. Whatever, he brings on OnlyFan girls, and yeah. then he basically berates them the whole time. And then, you know, there's, there's accusations that, you know, secretly they're all hooking up behind closed doors or whatever else. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. I just know that there's allegedly things going on like that, which wouldn't surprise me. But my, my question would be is, do you see that happening more and more? And I mean, I guess the, que- the I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this very careful because this is going to cause some serious conflict if I get it wrong. <clears throat> and I mean that sincerely. I think I, think I worry about good guys like my friend I just met, right? Being in such a crazy industry and still staying pure in the industry. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Being such a crazy, I mean, it's, it's like the triple X church guys and all these other guys that do, you know, anti-porn stuff, you know, they're, they're in the midst of it. And now keep this in mind as a guy who I'll self-proclaim, say this, and you can lie, check me or whatever you want to call it. I'm, I don't really struggle with porn. I just really don't. I'm, I'm an egomaniac. I'm, I'm an, I'm, everything else you can say about me, for whatever reason, I don't have that, you know, DNA thing. I find women attractive and everything like that and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, for whatever reason, it's never been a big, big thing. But I wouldn't go into it. I, I wouldn't go into it because I, I don't I don't think I could literally I don't think I could I could hand out. And so with guys like you who are just awesome guys and I've I've, I've greatly respect what you do. How do you protect yourself in that? Yeah, with 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 I mean, and how do you differentiate yourself from the red, rest of the red pill community. So that's like five questions. So pick one. <laughs> that, <that's fine. laughs> Sorry. You give me a lot to go off. of. Sorry, uh, man. Well, what I'm hearing is kind of like, how do, how do I maintain accountability while doing what I do? Sure. Right? Yeah, so, that'd be good. Yeah. So, so one, you know, I'm okay. So there's a, a Victor Frankl quote. I quote Victor Frankl all the time, Holocaust survivor. He mm-hmm. wrote the book, man's search for meaning. It, it's a fantastic book and I would recommend anybody read it. Everybody read it. Um, he has a, a, a line, something like I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you know, never judge another person because I probably would have done exactly the same thing they did if I was in the exact same circumstance that they were. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I debate a lot of OnlyFans performers. I've debated, I debated a, a prostitute in the Netherlands uh, one time. I've, I've had people on both sides of this all the time who I debate or have conversations with. Mm-hmm. And what I have to ground myself in is I might have done the same thing that they did if I was in their exact same position. Right. Right. I'm like three bad decisions away from being a cracked out heroin addict, you know, in the back alley somewhere in downtown Phoenix. That's just the reality of life. Right. Nobody is immune mm-hmm. to falling into that. So what's the accountability structure that I have in place? <clears throat> well, one, it's maintaining that there's always hope for somebody, no matter what circumstances they're in. Like mm-hmm. I'm almost, you know, uh, how do I put it? almost like I err too much on the side of like, there's always hope. Cause I do believe there's always hope no matter what circumstances you're in, you can rise up out of it. Also like with my social media, I get DMS all the time. People give me novels about their life. My wife has access to all everything, mm. everything, all my social accounts, my email, 
no message can get to me without my wife knowing about it if she wants to know about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's ever logged into the accounts. It doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. She has access to it. I also have a person who does social media for me and she has access to all of my accounts as well. Mm -hmm. So nothing can get to me that at least two other people can't have access to. And both of those people are females who are, mm. who are kind of on my team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, there's, we'll talk about Jesus for a second. I'll, I'll never forget a pastor. It's a long time ago. Jesus ministered to the prostitutes. Um, mm -hmm. He hung out with the prostitutes. Absolutely. Ate dinner with them. Yep. Ate yep. dinner with them. Yep. But it wasn't inside the brothel. Right. Right. Mm. So it's like, you know, if I look at it from a ministry standpoint, like would I go into a strip club? I've never been to a strip club, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Never been to a strip club. Don't yeah, want to go. Me neither, yeah. Never was something. I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. I've talked to strippers. I'll talk to them. I'll be with them. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about their story and all that and kind of extract what's going on. But like, mm -hmm. would it be wise for me to go into a strip club and be like, I'm going to talk to strippers about like this being bad? No. no. Yeah. Why would I go there? Right. right? There have been times like when I'm on TikTok and somebody will come on my live and I'll bring them on and immediately I'll just be like, nope, like we're done with this conversation. So there's, there's kind of like that uh, wisdom and accountability and discernment, mm. but also having other people around me because I have blind spots. Yeah. Like so many of them. Every I just, man. I Every do man so does. much dumb stuff all the time. Yeah. And so you got to have people in your life who know what's going on about, you know, again, being transparent about what's going on. Mm. Now, specifically with the Whatever podcast, again, I haven't, I haven't watched it that much. I do know like the one guy, I don't know if he's the main guy, but Brian, yeah. Brian, yeah. if I'm yeah. thinking of the right person, he <clears throat> seems pretty solid. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And now I also, I'm like, what are you trying to create here? <clears throat> um, cause there's a lot of, a <laughs> lot of a, stuff. That's a great question. It, it's bro. shock factor, bro. Yeah. It's shock factor to an extreme. There's not yeah. a lot left to the imagination. We'll no. just say that in no. the clips that I've seen. So, no. so like, it's yeah. like, well, are you really helping the cause here? Or are you trying to do this to get clicks and views, which is working, right? And again, I, I preface that to say I have no, well, and so I'm not is, down on that at all. I haven't studied it enough, but. So are all those models that are showing up? Because every single simp guy that's showing up to that channel is every going out simp to is check going her to out. It. Yeah, exactly. They're going straight to OnlyFans, checking it out and everything else yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, and I've had a number of, of OnlyFans creators on my on my streams, on my content, and I'm not going to promote them. I, yeah, you know. Yeah, obviously. Um, but you know what I try to do is just engage in a healthy debate, and I've never had, to this date, knock on wood, I've never had a, a debate go awry, so to speak. Mm. It's always that's mm. the one thing when I bring somebody on, I say, look, what I'm committed to, and what I would ask you to as well, is we have a respectful conversation here, and if that goes awry, we're done, and and it hasn't deviated from that. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> I think the broader context of that question is, my goal is actually not to get guys to stop watching porn. My goal is to get guys or to get people to start living a more meaningful, purposeful life. And generally when you do that, you stop the unwanted behaviors, right? The drinking, the smoking, the drugs, the gambling, the whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, there's like fight the new drug. If you know a fight the new drug, go follow them. If you don't, they are the best in my opinion at like fighting against the porn industry. They do a great job at that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it better than them. I'm not trying to. What I'm trying to do is help people see that there's a bigger purpose and meaning for your life. And once you start living in that, the addictive behaviors will go away. Mm. It's oversimplifying it, right? But sure, sure, sure. Victor Frankl, a man without meaning or purpose will just distract himself with pleasure. Mm. And so once you find that meaning and purpose, the distraction with pleasure, you won't want to do that anymore. Yeah, was there a verse about an idle mind 
or, or a saying that always talks yeah, about like I don't an idle mind. The devil's playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Idle mind's devil's playground. So that, that <clears throat> you said two things that really interested me, and one of them was about like communication because that basically fills that idle mind with a relationship and communication with somebody else, right? That was really interesting to me. And two, I never would have related any kind of childhood trauma to somebody's porn addiction. Um, that was a really, that's really unique in a, a, a side of things that unless I heard it from somebody that came from that and that, that, that was their kind of point that they needed to figure out. I don't think I ever would have put two and two together that people might struggle with that as a result of things that have happened in their past or as kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's usually, there's almost always a thread to some sort of pain. You know, there's a root of that, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's, it's death, divorce, abandonment, bullying, something mm -hmm. happened. And during that time, pornography was discovered as an escape from whatever it was that they were going through. Mm -hmm. And then it just grows from there. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the first questions I ask people when I work with them, like with my one-on-one -on -one clients is, all right, why do you look at porn? Like, oh, I don't know, because it feels good. Okay, yeah, I get that. Like, let's dig deeper beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. What are you really seeking there? Is it acceptance, comfort, love? Like for me, I can draw a straight line from when my mom died and I was five years old in a plane crash to acting outside my marriage. Mm -hmm. All I wanted was affection and love. It's like, that's a theme of my life. This mm -hmm. was tragically gone when I'm five years old and I've just been living life trying to say, does anybody love me? Does anybody love me? Does anybody love me? Mm. And it wasn't until I could rest in that assurance from God, from Jesus mm. saying like, no, I got you. You are loved. You're deeply beloved. No matter what you do, I still love you. I still got you. And that's a, a message that never really pierced my thick skull until a few years ago. Mm. And so now I can stop worrying about that. Wow. But that's what pornography does. Um, is it, it makes you feel better, right? So then there's the whole brain science on dopamine and how our dopamine receptors work and like just trying to get the next hit of dopamine. Great book called Dopamine Nation has been really popular lately. It talks about that. So once your brain is hijacked by pornography, now the whole brain chemistry, it's, it's very difficult to get out of it because of what you, what you have to continue doing in order to keep the dopamine hit, keeping you happy, so to speak, or at least you think you're happy. Hmm. Um, and until you can disrupt that and get to the root of the problem and start living your life in a different way, it's, it's going to persist. You have to be honest about why you're doing that in the first place. Mm. Let me ask a couple questions. You work with people currently. Mm -hmm. you, you currently work with people. Um, the amount of people that come to you and, and ask you about you know, getting out of this and everything else like that. You, you, you shared one of, the, one of the main key things that happens. There's, there's childhood trauma somewhere. You know, are there other variables that people share? you know, when it comes to porn addiction that other people, I mean, for example, the guys would go, if you, if you say things like, you know, a narcissistic attitude, things like that. I mean, you can, you can start saying that some, some people, the reason I'm asking this for the question is some people could self identify those things and be able to be warned ahead of time or mm -hmm. like, Oh, maybe that's why I'm doing this and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's selfish, right? Mm -hmm. It's, I want what I want and I want it now. So I'm going to do that. I don't care what the cost is. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the conversation at play. Right, so it's a deep selfishness and entitlement. Um, you know, I love when, when people say this, you know, people come on and say, it's natural, it's, it's totally natural. It's, it's biologically, um, it's a biological thing wired in men. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's a whole industry fueled around really disrupting your soul. 
the mm-hmm. pornography industry that is. Are sexual urges biological? Yes. Is masturbation or, or a, a, a desire to masturbate or self-pleasure? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not being like rigid on that, but is there a natural tendency towards that? Yes, mm-hmm. right? Is mating natural and biological? Yes. Is pornography, for what we understand pornography today, is that biological? No. That's like saying, you know, Lord of the Rings is biologic. No, it's not. It's a movie. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not something that just sprang to be because of nature. S- same with the pornography industry. And, and not to mention pornography, if I'm correct, and you can correct me because you probably know the stats better than I do, it, it's on the cutting edge of technology. It makes more money than NFL, MLB, hockey, all pro sports, sports teams combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's probably the wealthiest industry, you know, that's entertainment oriented, if yep. you would, if you can call it entertainment. But I mean, in, in, in all honesty, it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're going in and what, what's fascinating is, you know, we, we had this conversation off, off camera a little bit and I was like, I mean, you're going against the biggest, you know, industry. And, I, and when I, <clears throat> I'll get personal with this one. This is, this is, this is, this is a little bit of peek into the, the soul on this one. One of my biggest struggles in the cigar industry to be honest with you, is the way that women obje- that women are objectified for the sake of selling cigars. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time, and women. Lo- I mean, th- it, it happens all the time. You know, the sexier woman you get, you know, the the, the better your sales are, or anything else like that. Um, and the objectification of women is the very first step into, you know, everything else. Um, and that's just me. I'm in the cigar industry. That's just that's just it. And it's 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 very minor compared to other industries. Mm-hmm. You know, if you would, because um, it's just not that big. But in the industry overall, do you, do you feel, and do you see sex becoming the biggest main attraction, sexual pleasure to sell anything? And do you think that's contributing to the porn addiction at this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, sex sells, there's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can't get away from it. Um, and, and if it's free, you're the product. So like, like all these sites, wow, all God, these, I've never heard that before. It's so mind blowing. Yeah. All these porn sites are free. You're the product. Dude, you're, that's so you're paying crazy. With your, you're paying with your soul because a little part of your soul is taken away every time oh my gosh, that you watch dude, pornography. That's mind blowing. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it just fuels this trap of do this. This is going to feel good. This is going to taste good. And it does for like a half a second, but then it leaves you feeling emptier and, and full of shame. I hope every guy heard that. I hope you heard it. And I hope it like resonated with you. You're the product. Yeah. You're totally. the one being used. It's your soul being taken. Oh my gosh, dude. What? Yeah. I mean, look at what satanic it, is. <laughs> look at what geez. it takes from your relationship. Oh right? yeah. Like you think, oh. oh no, it's porn. It's free. I'm not paying. It's like, no, oh, it's not. Man. Your marriage is suffering. Mm. Go ask your wife how she feels about it. If you're willing yeah. to be honest with her right. about it. Right. She doesn't like it. And if she says she does, like there's a lot of women I've talked to where they're, I call them the cool girls. They're like, Oh yeah, it's fine. If you, and then when I actually uh, lay out what, what's actually going on in almost every case, they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's actually a problem. I actually want somebody who's committed to me and mm. only me. Mm. Uh, yeah. There is a rather larger contingent. I would ask the question. I'm, I wonder how you feel about this of guys that have seen sexual addiction or pornography be a net negative, obviously in culture and Hollywood stars, things like that, guys are coming out and they're, they're pretty much against it mm-hmm. at this point, which is pretty interesting. Russell Brand be one of those guys, some other mm-hmm. guys out there um, that are saying, yeah, it's, it's a net negative, you yeah. know, at this point. Um, have you had conversations with anyone like that that has come out of it and been like, yeah, this is, this is, not, this is not helpful for, for 
uh, human flourishing and yeah, family foundation and everything else like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I do my my TikTok lives, particularly, I mean, you never know who's going to come on those. Um, right, right. And so, you know, a lot of times it's people that just want to argue with me, but a lot of times there are there are people who want to share their story and be like, I did, I have changed my perspective. I am mm-hmm. clean from this. I I am doing the healing. Um, I, I haven't had like with with somebody of of celebrity stature. I haven't had a conversation like that. But somebody else comes to mind is. Um, Joshua Broom, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. He's a former porn star. He was interviewed on the Michael Knowles show. It's a great interview. It's like an mm. hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. So there's definitely a lot of people like that who, who kind of awaken to that. The story comes to mind, though. It's kind of related. I was I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for the Consumer Electronics Show, the largest convention of, of doors. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, um, uh, in, in the world. And on my way home, I'm sitting in the Las Vegas airport, and – I'm sitting, you know, like there's kind of like that one row of seats before the gate that generally is for like the family pre-boarding area or the people in wheelchairs and all that. I'm sitting in one of those chairs. Mm-hmm. There's one seat next to me and this guy comes and sit down and immediately once he sits down, there's an older lady. I wouldn't say she was like super old and elderly. Like she wasn't a wheelchair or walk or anything, but she was for sure a grandma. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets up and goes over to her and goes, would you like my seat? And she's like, oh no, I'm fine. Right. She was able-bodied, right? Probably 65 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. She declines and he comes and sits down. And immediately the thought I had in my head is I'm like, there's no way this guy watches porn. That's just what I thought. I'm like, I can spot him. Um, so I'm like, well, that's interesting. And so I, I said to him, I say, hey, you don't see that every day, right? Basically like a young guy. He was probably about 40, mm-hmm. uh, a young guy offering up his <laughs> Young seat. now. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're in the 40, we're in the 40, I'm yeah. 49. Uh, th- how old are you? I'm, thir- I'm almost 39. 39. Yeah. So you're almost 40. Yeah. Now yeah. with the older 40 you get, the younger, young. yeah, they're young. They're young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, man. 40 something. Uh, no, JB's 32. 32? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Man. Be, uh, 33, dude. 33. That's right. 33. Okay. I'm just, I just look 22. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I say, you know, that's not something you see every day. Basically, like a young person offering their seat to a, to a grandma. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's like, yeah. And he points at my hoodie. I was wearing my hoodie. He's like, that's not, that's not something you see every day either. <laughs> and right. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm a porn coach. And I go, let me ask you a question. Do you watch porn? He's like, nope. And I go, I knew it. Right? Because somebody who, and I'm, I'm over generalizing, right? right but somebody right, who's right. deep in a pornography addiction wouldn't have the common courtesy to go out of his way and mm. treat another woman with dignity and respect. Mm. Well, yeah, they're not seeing them treated that way. They're not right. seeing, they're seeing them as objects. Right. And right, he goes, right. nope. Um, I didn't dive into his whole story, right? But he's like, nope, I'm deeply committed to not. He's got kids and they've read all the books to the kids and educating and training them. And I was like, I actually told him I was going to share this story. So now mm. I can actually uh, publish it. But- um, back to like people talking about it, there is this contingency of people who are realizing how bad and destructive this is. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people talking about it mm-hmm. and they do exist, right? There right, are people right. out there who, who exist, who, who want to combat this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I just had a thought and I was, I was going to go down a road. I don't think, I think I'll save it. For Let's go down the road. Well, no, no, no. I, it's when the thing, the thing that he did with that older lady I mean, when you're so when you're into an addiction and you're what what addictions are you were talking about selfishness, particularly mm-hmm. porn is selfishness. You don't see anything and you don't see any any right that woman, was a selfless act. Yeah, you don't see yeah. any woman as as valuable unless she can give you pleasure. Right, and that woman's not going to give you pleasure in that <laughs> sitting next to an airport. Right, yeah, ma'am, you want so, my chair? We need to go to the, the right, family right, right. real quick first, though. So as a result, um, I can see that playing into women who are doing things like, and that's probably one of the things I think whatever podcast does pretty well 
is they're explaining to the only fan models. I mean, your value that you, that you're giving to the world is just sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you have a value to give. And so as a result, that that's the only thing you can offer. And so you're wanting a high value man. They talk about that a lot the, yeah. the high value man. And you know, you can't offer anything that's of high value at that point. And so it, the one thing that I, that I think it's interesting is that when you talked about porn being such a selfish act and everything's about you, then you see every woman that way yeah. and every woman, you know, include, but it, it's funny. Do the, do the porn addicts think the same way about their moms, their sisters, you know, their cousins. I mean, things like that, that are people that are in their life because yeah. I, I had I had a I had a story that I heard from Triple X Church a long time ago that they asked Ron Jeremy called the the guy from Triple X Church I heard a story I don't know if it's true but called somebody and said could you minister to my daughter could you talk about this because I don't want my daughter experiencing anything like this so I think it's interesting that a lot of guys who might be addicted to porn are like this is good for me I don't want I don't want my kids my sons my daughters or anybody ever knowing about this or feeling this way that I feel what say you on that yeah. Nine questions in one again. I'm sorry. That's, that should be the title of this episode. Um, so a couple things, um, hundred questions, two answers. Yeah. One, <laughs> one is at the end of the day, people are what they do. People mm. are what they do. If you want to know what somebody mm. actually believes, look at what they do. Mm. Right. Ron Jeremy, he can claim he wants that. He can claim he's against it, but sure. what do his actions indicate? Right. Right. He, he in jail, isn't he? I believe oh, so. Yeah, yeah he yes, got yeah. caught for for pedophilia or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, is he dead? No, nah, he's in he's jail. Just in jail. Yeah. No, I, I know he went to jail. I, I was wondering mm -hmm. if he died in jail. He got caught. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So you are what you do. So there's that. That's just how you can dismantle what somebody actually believes, right? Mm -hmm. Part of my whole life awakening, spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it, is what do I actually believe about certain things? Mm. I used to be gung ho about all sorts of things that I thought I believed. When I actually started like journaling through, like, what do I actually believe in this? And, and the framework I did that was, what would I give my life for? Mm. And that'll tell you what you actually believe. Right. Mm. A lot of people claim that they believe in stuff, mm -hmm. but when when rubber meets the road, what do you actually believe? Yeah. What okay. are you going to take that bullet for? Yeah. And do your do your actions indicate that? Mm. Second thing that comes to mind. Um, what was the first part of your question? I don't remember now. Gosh. Sorry, was, dude. It was going to be so good. It's too close. Yeah, too uh, close to, to uh, short term memory loss. Yeah, but I, I I think that the the gist is when you've when you've treated so many people when you've uh, if porn is so self addicting right and it's so selfish oriented it devalues everyone, oh, yeah, yeah. everyone I got around it, I got you. It, I got, yeah. it, I got, it, I got it. okay. All right, so there's this great quote um, from the porn myth. It's a book by Matt Frad, the porn myth. It's a non-religious presentation. I've read it. Yeah, it's a good it's book. It's so good. Yeah, it's um, a very good book. Non-religious presentation on on all the myths about porn. Mm -hmm. Coming from a Catholic um, Catholic priest, I don't know what his exact title is. He's a mm -hmm. YouTuber, essentially, but it's a non-religious presentation. And probably one of the best things in there is, is that he says, the problem with porn is not that it shows too much of a person. It's that it shows too little of a person. Mm. So it reduces a person down to just their sexual value. Do people have sexual value? Yes, mm -hmm. they do. But that's one part of a person. Yeah. So that's what porn trains you to do is to think about a person as only their sexual value mm. and to dismiss everything else. And it's like intimacy can't happen when you're only focused on a person's sexual value. Mm -hmm. And then, right. you know, it reinforces the selfishness as I just need this for sexual pleasure. And, mm. you know, it goes from there. Until you can see the whole person you're not, you're probably not going to stand up and try to offer your seat to mm. the older lady at the airport. There, there's a lot, 
there's a lot into that too when you look at it from the, the perspective of like young men getting into relationships with women especially with like internet dating and app dating and things like that now if if i'm a young man and i'm dating a woman what social media and all these other things are telling people is that you don't like what you have you go get something else and mm-hmm. if you don't like that you just go ask this chick online and she'll send it to you your girlfriend at home ain't doing it for you just go ask this chick pay yeah. her she'll send it to you mm-hmm. yeah. and i actually have some friends that recently are having some issues and are probably not going to be together because of the uh, of something similar to this and i kind of i really wish i would have met you beforehand because i think it's it's past um it's past them being able to repair it and man i wish i would have had somebody like you in my back pocket to offer to them to potentially help with that or even had more knowledge on it because i don't know nobody talks to me about being addicted to porn none of my dudes are going to come to me and be like dude i can't stop watching porn no guys are talking about this dude no not in your not in your friend groups necessarily yeah you're not if they do we probably just laugh at him we're like damn dude is your shit crooked right right right. (laughs) i I think that i think that's one of the one of the misnomers that you can't talk about this around your buddies you can't talk about this like hey man i need to get out of this stuff man this is killing me but see when you're in high school and you're growing up like that's probably when I experienced any kind of porn the most growing up was in high school and getting into like my probably my first couple of years of college right mm-hmm. so in in high school I had a buddy who had a server and he would literally just burn you any movie you wanted any DVD any film you just tell him what you want he burned it and he brought it to school and sold you a DVD of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah well I mean that's the thing is is even if it is talked about amongst social circles like that usually nobody knows what to actually do with it. So you have to just make fun of it. Yeah. Right. You have to make fun of it to, so that everybody can feel okay. And then you just stuff it back down and never talk about it again. But I, in, in reality, each person's probably actually dying inside saying, I have this unwanted behavior and I don't know how to get rid of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as, as kids, you kind of promote it a little bit, right. With your buddies, You're like, Oh dude, you got the good videos, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. but then when we get older, like you're saying, how many of those kids or, or of our own friends have continued that, and just don't say anything about it and never say Nine anything. Out Nine <laughs> out of ten. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the very first time I saw fast access porn, which was not porn. What, what is it that, was dude? Fast access porn. I remember when the internet was invented because you guys were so young. What is All fast? Right? Okay. Fast access porn, meaning like uh, I remember the old AOL days, you know, getting online. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was, I mean, that's when everyone started spamming, you know, penis pills and everything else like that and free porn sites. And I clicked on an email and as it's downloading, it's like, click, 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 click down the screen. I can obviously see what it is. I'm like, oh crap. Oh crap. And I, this is, this is our family computer because we keep it out in public. And I'm like, I'm trying to turn it off, trying to turn it off. The, the and, centerfold and my wife, down. <laughs> right. And my wife's trying, my wife's coming in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I unplugged the computer. I unplugged the whole thing. I'm like, I don't know what happened right there. That's the craziest thing in the entire world. And I obviously knew what I was seeing and everything. I knew what was coming down there. And I was absolutely embarrassed. And I think that was crazy because that took forever now it's not it's instant yep. and it's not pictures it's videos or you can go to i mean i don't even want to know what vr uh, just, just so you know just, just so you know how how it's and this is somewhat silly i understand when i say this and please don't judge me i know everyone at home's going to i didn't understand what a cam gal was until five six years ago mm-hmm. i didn't know what that was i didn't know that that 
occurred. What is it? Yeah, OnlyFans, basically. That's what it is. No, no I'm saying tell, tell us what it is. Well, Cam Gal is somebody who's a sex worker and has a cam, camera on and basically makes money out of doing things yeah. on camera for guys. Like a virtual work. sex worker. Right, right, yep. essentially. So I didn't know I didn't know that. Was, so when someone told me that, and the way that, man, it's the way that I found out about it, to be quite frank, was absolutely devastating. And somebody had mentioned that to me, and they're, they're like, cam, cam Gal. I'm like, what's a, what's a Cam? What are you talking about, Cam Gal? What is that? You know, and they're like, this is what a cam gal is. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. So that that's, I mean, and and they make so many great, there's so, there's so many great comments on so many different podcasts about how this is a net negative for your life and how it will be going forward. You know, not just for the guys who are, you know, quote unquote simping to watch these girls, but for the women in particular in the future. I mean, the overall, like just, just. I mean, I'm curious to what you think about this, Austin, to be honest with you. The overall net negative of what this is potentially having is 50% of people, marriage is down 50%. Like 50% less people are getting married now Mm. as opposed to 10 years ago, by the way. Just 10 years, all right? Birth, giving birth to children is down 40%. These are are Gallup polls. You can go look at it, by the Mm -hmm. way. Okay, Gallup polls. And so... What that does in society where marriage and the family was like the the stabilization of a society, that's getting ready to actually up uproot American society in general. And I think I think the, the porn addiction or pornography in general is a big play into that. You know? Yeah, I mean I, I don't know what's gonna happen with that, obviously, but it's it's terrible. It's like ruining it's ruining our culture, ruining our society and hijacking people's brains. When did you get married? Uh, how old were you? 2011. I was 26 years old. 26. JB, yeah. how old were you when you got married? 26. 26. Okay. I was 21. Yeah. I was 21. I got married. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, no, it's crazy. Honestly, I don't know the answer, right? Cause I talked mm-hmm. to so many people, so many women mm-hmm. who, who are like, my boyfriend won't stop watching porn. My fiance won't stop. My, my husband won't stop. I say if every woman decided that they won't be in a relationship with a man who watches porn, guess what would happen? There wouldn't be any more marriages. There wouldn't be any more society. Well, that's that's be one way. 90, right. I would ninety nine yeah. out of ten less marriages. Right. Not, yeah. I would like to think uh-huh. that men would stop watching porn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like they would get the feedback real quick. This mm-hmm. is not a desirable trait. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I need to change so that I can become a more desirable mate and partner. Do you, do you coach women to do that? Do you coach yeah, women to say what, that's what my betrayal trauma groups are about? Good. It's like, look, don't focus on his behavior. Mm-hmm. Why are you tolerating this mm-hmm. until you really put your foot down and give him the gift of desperation? Mm-hmm. Meaning I won't tolerate this anymore. Your marriage, your ability to be a father, everything is on the line because mm-hmm. I'm going to walk out. If you don't shape up, mm-hmm. they're going to shape up once they reach that low point of desperation. Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, and I also tell women is what you really want is just a guy who, who doesn't watch porn. Like if somebody were to say, what's, what's your ideal partner? I want a guy who doesn't watch porn. That's pretty lame, mm-hmm. right? You want to have some kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if that's if, if that's, <laughs> that's your it. that's yeah. your bar. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. honestly, many women are in that boat where they're like, "Gosh, I'll, it's so prevalent. That's all I want." But, but you, you get what I'm saying? It's like, no, I want a guy who's going somewhere in life, who's passionate, who has good values, who has mm-hmm. a career, who wants to be a father, who, you know, who's loving, caring, kind, compassionate. Mm-hmm. Those are who's going to protect me, love me, put a roof over my head. That's what a woman wants, generally speaking, mm-hmm. right? And if you're doing all those things, generally, you're not going to be watching porn. Right. Because you have time for it. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's not yeah. loving. Yeah. 
to be watching porn and truly doing those things. So, you know, that message for, for the women out there is the question I ask is when did you decide if, if you know that pornography is okay in your relationship or rather it's prevalent, like say your, your partner, your husband, whatever has been watching porn prolonged over five, 10, 20 years. You can talk about their behavior till you're blue in the face. But the question for you is when did you decide that you're okay with being in a relationship where there's pornography? Because the reality of your situation, if you were to look at what, what's being produced is you're okay with that. Mm. You've resigned yourself. You've resigned a part of you to say, I'm not going to fight this fight. I'm just going to tolerate it. And now you've given a part of yourself away mm. instead of saying, I will not tolerate this. I will not be here. I'm going to take a stand and do something different. Mm. And that's what my women's group's all about. It's like, when will you start actually taking a stand for what you believe in and don't tolerate it anymore? In love, right? The -hmm. healing is possible, hope is possible. But, you know, some of these women, 20, 30, 40 years of fighting this fight, but they're actually not fighting the fight. They've just resigned themselves to this is how it's always going to be. Right, right. Well, guys, I assume that there's a ton of questions out there for Austin. And he's going to tell you exactly where you can email him and find him on social media and everything like that so that I don't get all the hate mail. So, Austin, please tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah, so Porn Coach, P-X-R-N Coach. Uh, TikTok is the main platform I'm on. I live stream three, four times a week, usually at night, uh, around 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, You can also go to my website, porncoach.com, P-X-R-N-Coach.com. I do group coaching as well as one-on-one coaching, both for men dealing with porn addiction and women dealing with betrayal trauma. And the groups I have are unlike any other. It's a space where you can just be open and vulnerable with what's going on in your life to choose a new path forward. And so I've got group times on that. It's listed, for my, listed on my website. Love to have you. We'll link his website and everything else that, to get a hold of him uh, down below in the description. So once again, Austin, thank you so much for coming here today, dude. This was awesome. This was great. And this isn't finished. we got to have you get back on air again because not only is a free cigar in it for you, but it's, it's obviously, or should I say, FDA is listening. I charge you a penny. Um, so it, with, with all that said, guys, we want to thank Austin so much for coming out so much. I really do appreciate that. And, uh, any questions, comments, or insults you guys have, please drop them in the comments below. And with that said, guys, we're out of here like last year. Peace. Thank you. See ya.